Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. We're going to come to the Word of God now. And if you've got your Bible, please turn with me to 2 Peter and chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And really, my focus is going to be on verse 18. But I want to read from verse 14 to verse 18. As I read this, you'll find some things about Paul that some of you might have not realized or didn't know. That people find some of Paul's messages so hard to understand. You read sometimes 2 Corinthians and say, what is this all about? Don't worry, even people in the first century found some of it really difficult. And Peter testifies to that. But anyway, we know we've we've come now to the end of the year. And... In a couple of days' time, we will be celebrating. Some of you are looking forward to fireworks and barbecues and hanging out with friends and enjoying as you go into the the new year. But actually, the way we look at time, we look at time this way, linear, of course. We look at time this way. We have seconds. We have minutes. We have hours. We have days. We have weeks. We have months. We have years, and of course, if we are lucky, we, not if we are lucky, but after every four years, we get a leap year, which is 166 days. But the kingdom of God, or at least the writers of scripture, do not necessarily suggest that that's how God sees everything. God sees everything this way, that his time works in this way. There is the now, and there is the future. That is the time that is taking place now with everything looking the way it does. And there's the future time where everything will be very different to how it is right now. And the Bible calls it now the, the heavens and the earth now. But the future, there will be the new heavens and the new earth. It calls it the now and not yet time right now. We live in the now not and the not yet, which means the kingdom of God has come now, but the kingdom of God has not fully come yet. But we are going to go into a time where the kingdom of God will be fully established here on earth. And you have this period of time, even as I prayed earlier, where it's about crying, mourning, unforgiveness, sometimes hatred, but actually salvation as well, which shows that the kingdom of God has come because people get saved, people, uh, miracles happen, the kingdom of God seems to be breaking on our shores. But yet, actually, you look out the window, you realize there are certain things that are still happening that suggest the kingdom of God has not fully come now. So the Bible calls it the now and not yet. And then it says, we look forward into the future, into a time that will fully come and the kingdom will be fully established. So you have the now and not yet time and you have the future full establishment of the kingdom of God. That's the time. We live in this time where the kingdom of God has not yet fully come. But Peter and many others talk about the moment in, his, in, in the whole of entire history where things will change. There is a moment that every single person is looking forward to that will define and transition time from where we are into where we're going. 
So the Bible doesn't look forward to the 31st of December. It's looking forward to what the Bible calls the day of the Lord. It is mentioned in the book of Joel. It is mentioned in the book of Isaiah. And Peter, in 2 Peter 3, also is talking about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the day when the past, or what we now call the present, will transition into the future. The, the earth, as we see now, and the heavens will change into what we will now in the future, referred to as the new heavens and the new earth. But everyone is looking forward to that moment. It's not 12 o'clock on the 31st of December. The Bible doesn't look into the new year. It looks into the new future. The future of the people of God. The future where everything will change and will look different to what it looks like right now. And that moment... The writers of the Bible call it the day of the Lord. The time of transition where things will look different. When God will come and he will set everything that is going wrong right now, he will set things to rise. Where he will restore the world and restore his kingdom here on earth. Where there shall be no tear, no suffering, no sorrow in our eyes and in our faces. Because God would have fully embraced all people and brought them to himself. But Peter, as he talks about this new day of the Lord that is coming, he is saying to those who believe, do not lose heart. Do not grow weary. Do not fear what is to come. Do not approach the day of the Lord with a sense of fear, but approach the day of the Lord with a sense of anticipation and a sense of joy. But as you approach this day of the Lord, which means Christians don't live just with a resolution of the new year, how we're going to do things differently in the new year. It's not just about a new year resolution. Let's come together. Let's make decisions right now how we're going to do things differently in the future. I'm not saying we, sh we should be against that. But next year is just part of what we are doing. It's just a continuation of this part of the world and what we are doing right now. Companies are taking stock of how they've done in the previous year and how they can do better. But we are actually not looking forward to just the new year. We are looking forward to the day that will come, which is the day of Lord, the Lord when things will change. And Peter says, as you look forward to that day, as you anticipate what is to come, I have news for you. And he says, there are certain things that I want you to bear in mind. And as we read this passage, you will realize that Peter is referring to grace and he's referring to knowledge. Let's read together. Verse 14. It says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for this, since you are waiting for this time and all that is going to happen around that time, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish. And at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are sometimes, which is Paul's letters, there are sometimes 
sorry, there are some things in them that are hard to understand. So Peter is writing about Paul here. He says, Paul writes some letters. He writes lots of letters. Some of them, he writes some hard things that believers don't fully understand. But then he goes on to say, it's not slating Paul. He, he goes on to say, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. But then he instructs us, he says, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawlessness or lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. As you wait, as you wait for the day, as you wait in anticipation, as you wait patiently, Peter has good news for you. And he has two things to say to you. That is, grow in the grace of God and grow in the knowledge of God and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to be focusing on those two things. As we wait in anticipation, not to 2018, but as we wait into the future, even in 2018, we will be waiting. As we wait, let us grow in two things. Let us grow in the grace of God, and let us grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to be starting with the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible makes it very clear that Jesus was man, but Jesus was also God. We, we, we know that Jesus is fully man and fully God. He who knew no sin became sin for us. The perfect man, and yet the fullness of God dwelt in him. But what we normally do is we often emphasize the divinity of Jesus, that means Jesus as God, and sometimes we can undermine the man Jesus in his humanity. We can so overemphasize Jesus as God to a point that we can't relate to the Jesus we came on earth. Because we would often say, that's, big, that's because it is Jesus. That's why he could do that. There's no way that we could ever do that because we're not Jesus and we're not like Jesus. The reason Jesus came to this earth was so that we, he might identify with us and model and show us the way to the Father. So Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man. What does, why is that important? The Bible makes it clear that Jesus had to grow in wisdom and favor before men and God and stature. That means Jesus' wisdom was not automatic. And so was Jesus' knowledge. Jesus' knowledge was not automatic. He didn't just rise and, and was born from Mary's womb and said, I know it all. I'm perfectly knowledgeable. You ask me any question. I'm going to tell you it all. No, Jesus had to grow in knowledge in the same way as we are told to grow in the knowledge of our Lord. Which means our Savior Jesus had to be taught. He had to learn. He had to learn from his mother. He had to learn from those around him. He had to learn from the rabbis. He had to learn from the scriptures. If you read in Luke 4, you are told that Jesus was taken in the wilderness by Satan. And when Jesus was taken in the wilderness, the Bible t tells us that he was lifted up. 
and, and the, Satan showed him the kingdoms of this world and said, look down and see. Jesus saw everything. And Satan said, all of this has been given to me. And he said, but I want you to do one thing. If you could now bow down on your knees, worship me right now, I will give you some of this. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, it is written that we shall worship God alone. It is written. Jesus didn't say, in my divine being, I perceive that what you're saying is not true, so I decide not to worship you. No, he said, it is written, which means Jesus had to learn and to acquire knowledge about God, and that knowledge was the knowledge that helped him to overcome that temptation. And the temptation was to give up because Jesus has been lifted by the enemy to a high status and has been given this authority. And Jesus says, I don't want authority that comes from you. I want the authority that comes from the Father. I am here today. I exist today. I came here on earth. I was born for a purpose. And the purpose that I was given was to glorify God. And for that reason, having learned all that I've learned, there is no way that I'm going to inherit these kingdoms through you, and there is no way that I'm going to worship you. I shall worship God alone because the prophets and the, and, and the writers of the Old Testament have written that man can worship nothing else but God alone and give glory to nothing else but God alone. Jesus did that through the knowledge that he had acquired from reading the scriptures and understanding the kingdom of God and understanding what God is like. In the same way as Jesus had to learn and acquire some knowledge through which he could overcome under the power of the Holy Spirit, we too are instructed by Peter that we need to grow in our knowledge. I don't know if some of you know a man or called Eric Little. Has anyone here ever watched Chariots of Fire? Great, quite a few people. Eric Little was born in China. That's not because I'm married to a Chinese. <laughs> Eric Little was born to a missionary couple who went from the London, were sent through London Missionary Society to China. He was born there in 1902, went back to uh, the UK to study. And he studied and finished his studies. He went to Edinburgh University to study further, and he did his uh, degree in pure science. And Eric Liddell, a, a son of uh, a reverend, Reverend Dunlop, his father was, when he was studying in Edinburgh, especially at Edinburgh University, he realized he was very talented. Eric realized that he could run really fast. And Eric realized he could play rugby. He was very strong and very powerful. And he decided to play rugby and to be an athlete. And as he was doing this, Eric realized that with his studies, he can't do both rugby and do athletics. So he had to make a decision, and the decision was to either quit athletics or to quit rugby. And he decided rugby. Sorry for the rugby supporters here or lovers. And Eric continued in his, uh, this 
beautiful um, adventure of running. So he was running and he was really fast and he was representing University of Edinburgh in some competitions and he would win, he would do really well. And in 1924, he decided to go for the Olympics in, in France, in Paris, the Paris Olympics in 1924. Eric Little, when he went, he signed up for everything, he registered, and um, he went for it. But when he looked at everything, he realized, because he had signed up for the, the 200 meters, I think it was, and he realized that the 200 meters, the heat, the heats for the 200 meters are run on the Sunday, and he thought, okay, I, I go to church on a Sunday, the heats are run on a Sunday. And surely, common sense says, it's a Sunday. And by the way, you go to church every day. If you skip this one, it's not a big deal. Because you can do that one. Eric decided to switch from the 200 meters. And he switched to the 400. Why? Because never in his life would he ever compromise spending time with God and getting to know God, even the Olympics did not matter much compared to his knowledge and understanding of God. So he decided that he will switch and go for the 400 because the heats were not on a Sunday. And he went to church, glorify his father. And then on, when the heats were, were, were run, when everything happened, it didn't happen on a, on, a, on a Sunday, Eric was able to win a gold medal because he had decided that he was going to put God first. In everything that he did, Eric was very determined. It was his resolution in his mind that whatever, come what may, God will always be first. And when he was asked, so Eric, you have church here, and you have your athletics, you have a medal, you have everything, which means the world wanted to elevate you in the same way as he wanted to elevate Jesus But like Jesus, he wouldn't give in. He wouldn't allow himself to compromise certain things that are important in his life so that he might be elevated and look good be, be, before the eyes of the world and not really please his master. When he was asked, Eric, why are you so fast? Why are you like this? And why did you make such a big decision? He said this. He said, God made me for a purpose. And then he said, God also made me fast. And he says, when I run, I feel his pleasure. Which means, for Eric Little, whether he goes to church, which for him as a priority is something he wouldn't want to compromise, or whether he runs and he wins a medal, both these two are done for the glory of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, the Bible tells us whether you eat, whether you drink, everything you do, do it to the glory of God. And I just want to say this, even as we look into the new year, even as we look back, my question is, has it all been about Jesus? How have you grown in your knowledge of Christ to a point that nothing else can ever be done except for the glory of Christ? Because it is all to his glory. The thing is, we're very good at saying that. But in terms of our hearts, the pursuit is for self-glorification. And let me just say this. Let us switch. 
into the glory of Christ. And the glory of Christ, knowing and growing in the knowledge of Christ, does not always happen in a classroom kind of setting. Sometimes it happens out there when miracles are performed, then you understand and see that God is truly powerful. I thought he wasn't powerful. Now I can see it. I'm going to believe him, and my faith has been secured and renewed today. Sometimes it happens through suffering. When the going gets tough, and you think, God has abandoned me, and it is at that moment when your faith has been tested, where the knowledge of Christ will be stirred and will grow and will emerge better than it was before. I just want to honor a few people here. But I had a privilege, some of them, to see them and visit them in some of the most difficult times of their lives in hospital. Most of them, before they were to go for their operations, and see in their eyes the pain that they had to endure. And yet, as we stood there, prayed, you could see that these people are determined. And most of them, all of them actually, have evolved, have emerged the other end, so on fire for Jesus than ever before. Because through their pain, through their suffering, they grew in their knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mali Flock. Enza, if she's here. Gurley, if she's here. Charity, if she's here. Kisho, at the back. Manoj, and I could go on and on and mention others. I had a privilege. Manoj, where is Manoj? Over there, talking to you about what you're going through, as you could hardly walk. But today you testify to the grace and glory of Christ because of what he's done in your life. And you know him more. Mali, pain, you could not even lie down. As we stood there, Emily rubbing your back, and we praying and tears were falling down. And you sitting there now. Glorifying Jesus. You grew in that moment through that. Enza, I remember when I went to the hospital, she was lying there. All she could hardly move. It was just tears dropping down. Now seeing her dancing, playing football. Kisho, when I saw the first video of you, having just gone to the hospital, I remember the day when I went to the hospital and you were just about to be operated and we got that minute to pray and we asked the doctors to stop so that we could pray and we prayed and you held my hand so tight and you said, it's going to be okay. And I said to you, trust and believe God because it's going to be okay. And here you are, you're standing there. I was so surprised at our wedding because I saw you standing there and you said, let's take a picture. And you rose to your feet because of what Jesus has done in your life. Friends, there are many testimonies like that in this room. We cannot abandon him. Let us grow in our knowledge of him. And if he has done this for us in the past, he will do it for us in the future. He is faithful and he will always be faithful. Never grow weary or lose heart in your God because he is always faithful. I just want to give you that. If there's no good news, that is the good news. The gospel says your God will always be there for you. He will stand for you. Even when the going gets tough and you feel like this is the end of it, he will come through in the last hour, in the last minute, and he will bring you through and you say, surely the Lord was good. He is good. Let us grow in this. And secondly, let us grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus 
demonstrated grace in many different ways. But I can highlight two ways that Jesus demonstrated grace. The first one was Jesus Christ was in heaven, on the throne, ruling and reigning, comfortable with everything, angels serving him, everyone bowing their knees, those who believed in him, believed in God, bowed their knees to him. But actually, he left the comfortable, the familiar of heaven, the throne, the authority, the scepter, and the crown. And he came down to this earth. You know who did he come for? He came for those who are ill-deserving, who are not even thankful of his grace, who are not even thankful, who don't even recognize that he is alive, who don't even recognize that he is king, who don't even recognize that he saved them from their sins. That's the grace of God. And Jesus doesn't ever regret the decision that he made to step down and really reach out and become like us. The one who did not have to do anything did everything for those who don't deserve anything. And it is us. He did it for us. He did it for us. Maxley, he did it for you and me. He did it for us. The cross is for so that God might reconcile us to God. But secondly, Jesus, the God-man, demonstrated grace while here on earth. And I can highlight three stories. The first story is when there was a woman who had had five husbands. And all these husbands were no longer with her. And she was with another man. And this man was her sixth. And she, would, she went to the well. She went on her own. Women at that time didn't go to the well on their own to draw water. The reason she had to even go at daytime was because she was ostracized by community. Nobody liked her. Because she's that woman with five husbands. And by the way, just to let you know, word on the street says even she has another man. And that man is not her husband. And Jesus did not say, you are the one with lots of husbands. He restored her life. He changed her life. He brought her through that she went back to the city of Samaria rejoicing because she had met the one who knew everything about her. That very woman who was ostracized became the one to testify about the grace and the goodness of God. The second story is that of a short man. Where did Joe go? Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> His name was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, hang on. Stay with me. Zacchaeus was a man who had an experience of defrauding people, take their money through tax, and make lots of money through that. This man was loaded. He was minted, but the money did not belong to him. It belonged to everyone else. And when the when crowd saw Jesus, they said, Whoa, the Messiah, Jesus is coming, the Holy One. And this short guy had to climb on a tree. Okay. And he climbed on the tree to see Jesus. And Jesus said, Why are you doing that? Because I'm coming to your home. He is going into the sinner's house. Why is he doing this? 
are your sins great in this building? Have you done things that you, you are not even proud of? Have you done things that you can't even talk about? Let me say this. The grace of our Lord Jesus far surpasses all the things you have done or you'll ever do. It's bigger and greater and powerful. The third story is a story of a woman who had had a sexual relationship with another man who was not the husband of this lady. And the whole community was out to stone this woman. They were busy accusing her, even those, the rabbis dressed up really smart, wearing their dresses, coming and willing to stone this woman to death. And it all continued. They were driving her out until Jesus came to the scene. And when Jesus came to the scene, he restored her and he brought her into life and he was able to chase all the accusers away. Let me say this, your life is worth nothing until Jesus comes to the scene. And when he comes to the scene, with your dirt, with the, all the rubbish, with all the hidden secrets that you wouldn't want to tell anyone, with all the things you've done that you're not even proud of, when Jesus comes to the scene, you walk with your head lifted because he has set you free and he is there to restore you. And if you are here, and you're not a believer of Jesus. You're not a Christ follower. You don't believe Jesus. When he comes on the scene, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your life. He receives you as you are. He draws you to himself just as you are. Only that in the future, he will make you more like him. Jesus Christ is here today and he will be here tomorrow and forever to change and restore us, regardless of our past, regardless of the things that we've done. If you can look back in 2017 or say, this is what the year looked like. Let me just say this. Your slate has been made clean. You don't have to look back on your past. Let's look forward to the future because Jesus has wiped everything away from you. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all happened, by the way. What about us? Because I believe what Peter is referring to, he's not referring to us growing in grace in Christ or in, in kind of knowledge of Christ because he's already mentioned that. He is referring to growing in demonstrating the grace that we ourselves have received. So here's a question. How have we as City Hill, in the same way as Jesus has gone out of his way, to love and care for those who did not deserve. How have we, as City Hill, individuals and corporately together as a body, have gone out of our way to sacrifice and to love and care and support and stand with those who do not deserve it? Reynard and the team, how you guys have served in the, uh, the consulate, I just want to honor you. You went out of your way, a Christ-like attitude to serve those. You might be asking, why can't we just form a nice huddle uh, uh, group here and just uh, love one another and not care about other nations of the world? Let me just tell you this. Jesus could have just done that in heaven. But he went out of his way to care and love those who did not deserve it. Do you know why we're in the nations? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because what we have, the nations can be blessed with. In this community, 
we ought to step out of our comfort zone, out of where we are, and demonstrate the grace and love of Jesus Christ. I've got a couple of questions for you. The first one is, how are you doing everything you do to the glory of Christ? Have you ever asked yourself, is my future, my choices, my decisions, my plans, my conduct, is it all to the glory of Christ? Is, am I growing in the knowledge of Christ that everything I do is done for his glory? Secondly, have you gone out of your way, sacrificed, even to a point where people will take advantage of you? Let me tell you this, they always are going to take advantage of you. The question is, what do we do? We t- Jesus went out of his way. We took advantage of him. And he never said, I've learned a lesson. My fingers have been burned. I'm not going to do it again. Tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, and again and again, he will always go out of his way to demonstrate grace for those who don't deserve it. Let us be those who are growing in the knowledge of Christ, but also growing in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us learn those two because it's very important that we know Christ. As City Hill, may everything we do and may everything we have done in 2017, leading up to 2018, be for the glory and the honor of Christ alone. Not any leader, not any man, not any human being. And may the grace of God come upon our lives and we might grow in the grace of God to a point that every time people take advantage, every time we serve, we step out of their way, whether people take advantage, we keep pouring out grace beyond grace, the measure of grace will overwhelm us, whether it's through our giving, giving ourselves, giving our finances, giving our time, giving our, our, our everything to serve. Let it all be done for the glory of Christ. And let it be for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to watch a very short video. It is a video of just moments that we have had together in 2017. And some of you might see yourself in there. And after that, we're going to sing a song and I'm going to lead you into the breaking of bread. Because the one thing I want us to do before we go into the 2017 is break bread together and really remember the cross of Jesus Christ. It is him. It is all for his glory. Let's do this. Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. Thank you.